Good evening. How are you tonight? We are good. No snow. No rain. Almost France. No? No, no, we are in Scotland. So, if you remember, we are in the letter of John, and the first letter of John, and especially tonight in the chapter 5, the end of this letter. And um, I think we saw last week that there is challenges to be Christian. This challenging, challenging of you know, being Christian in this world, fighting in a sense against sin. And often we believe that we control our life, when in fact we don't control a lot. He's under control of everything, our Lord Jesus. And I think we recognize that there is this kind of tension between our old nature and the new nature. But we want to say tonight that He is at the center. He is the one who controls everything and we trust Him. We put our trust in Him. So I'm going straight in the, in the chapter 5. There is a lot to say in chapter 5. Some of the aspects of this chapter, I'm just going to touch, I'm not going to dip in, in the text. Uh, some other as- aspect, I'm going to stay in the text. So, if you have a Bible, just turn your Bible in First John 5. I read just the first few verses. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. This is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out His commands. In fact, this is love for God, to keep His commands. John speaks clearly to believers, again, I want to make that, you know, for the one who were not here last week, it's clearly for us believers. And like an introduction of this chapter, even if there is no introduction, you know that the chapters and verses are put in by men afterwards. God inspired the word as a block. It was a letter. No chapters, no verses. But this section starts with being born of God. And in a few sentences, John links the concept of being born of God with something else, with love. And if you want to know what is love for God, go back tonight and read the chapter 4. The whole entire chapter 4 four is about love. And you know this famous sentence, God is love, comes from this chapter, chapter 4. So he's linking being born of God with love. Amazing love toward the Father and also toward others. We saw that last week. And John mentioned again the love of the God, the commands of God. Love seems to be at the center again. God seems to have everything or cover everything with this little word, love. Everything is about love here. Everything is about love in the chapter 4. Everything is about love in the chapter 3. Even if we touch upon sin, we show that the reason. We will strong, we will be strong in God. It's because of love. And I want you to understand, born of God. Okay, the easy answer for me tonight 
is to start by saying, okay, born of God, newborn believers, you know what it is, John 3, you accept Jesus in your life, you walk the life you know of Jesus, and that's it, you're a new believer, and you're growing with God, and you walk by the Spirit, and that's being born of God. But I think it's a bit a short story, because before this event of Jesus Christ, there is the entire Old Testament. So what does that mean, being born of God, when we look at, you know, from Genesis to Revelation? So I decided with you, from 1 John, to do a big jump. And we go back to the beginning. All together, imagine, big journey. We go back to Genesis, and especially this little verse, Genesis 1, verse 26. Okay, remember that I'm I'm dealing with the idea of born of God. Okay, stick that somewhere in your brain, born of God, and then go back with me in Genesis. Genesis 1, verse 26. Then God said, we are in the process of creation. Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. We were created, therefore we were desired. Okay, that's my motto tonight. We are born of God in Jesus, saved through the cross, yes. But if you look back, we were also born of God because created at His own image, in His own image. Also by love. Okay, I'm going to explain that, okay? Don't look at me like, I'm just going to explain that. I was reminded a few weeks ago, uh, during the mini Bible school at the Glow Center with Stephen McCoy, that we are created, we are made in the image of God. Somehow we are linked with God, not just Adam and Eve, but you and I tonight. Somehow there is in us a deep, profound connection with God. And I believe that that plays something when we believe in Christ. You know all the concept of reconciliation, restoration. Restoration about what? Well, there is something at the beginning, because we were created at the image of God. In the image of God. I need to pronounce that correctly tonight. And we were created and we are desired because God wanted us to be, to exist. God, you know, doesn't need us to exist. But when he creates something, it's because he wants it. There's no surprise. You never say, oh, oops, <laughs> the pot of mankind fell, so now there's mankind up. That's, you know, big mistake. No, no. He wanted us to be created. It's we are born from a desire. Why? Because God loves us. Not just through, you know, the cross. He loves us since the beginning. That's why we're born of God. Because since the beginning, we are a product of love. Okay? We are precious. And more than that, it's not just being created and then do your life, son. You know, go on, whatever. No. God, the Almighty God, wants also a relationship with us. We saw that last week. A relationship based on love. Love the Father, as the first verses we just read said. Love one another. Love God's commands. Jesus said also, love your enemy. Love is here somehow. 
starts since the start. We have this ability to love. This is a perfect life, being in relationship with God, not sinning. Okay, chapter three. This is a perfect life in a perfect world, and we know this is not really happening. Our world is not in a good place. And we are not perfect. We know that. So as I said in introduction, it's not that easy. That's not easy because as we saw last week, we have a significant problem. This perfect relationship, when we were created at the image of God, was ruined because of us. We saw last week that we decided to be our own God. Choosing ourselves what to do, what to believe, what to think. And I reduced that last week about a choice to do good or bad. To do good or to sin. And the result of this choice is a tendency to be selfish. Opposite to to the idea of community. Because you see, when we were created, it's not just about us and God. It's about the community. Church is about being together, a community. And when we sin back to the Garden of Eden, we broke this community, this communal idea to be together with God. We broke that. No more relation, being separated. All this idea of there is a stop. And regarding love, we were a creature born in the hand of a loving Father, and now we limit our love toward others. We, no one else, we limit the love we can have toward others. And the proof of that is, if I'm asking you, do you love yourself? We limit also the love we have for ourselves. Because of the fall. And yet we forgot, since the beginning, we were desired, created to be in a loving relationship with God. See, born of God is about an extreme, almost impossible to understand love. It's all about love. Because we were created to love and to be loved. As Christians, born of God, we believe that Jesus fully expressed this love, taking on Him our sinful nature and its condemnation. And now through faith, we share the victory of Christ. I've done massive jump, okay, from one John, born of God, to created in the image of God, came back to Jesus to solve this problem of the fall, to solve this problem of sin, so we can be in relationship with God, in a loving and deep and profound relationship of God. But John here in this letter, verse 4, is saying something. I just said that, but he will repeat that for, for us. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the ones who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. In His love, God intervened again, giving His Son. His Son is going to die and pay for us. So we can be in relationship again, reconciled with the Father. He saved us from our sin. I said that. Our status changed forever. We saw that last week. If we believe in the name of Jesus, there is no more condemnation. 
in Christ. We are free from the yoke of our old nature. But more than that, John here is saying something interesting. It's not just, okay, no more condemnation. You don't go to prison or you don't go, you don't go to die. You share the victory. You share the victory of Christ. You see, we tend to stop salvation to, no more problem with God, you know, that's fine. It's not just that. You share the victory. You're part of the family. You're here with Christ. You're part of the, all of the process now. Share the victory. And in these verses, John is saying something we should be shocked about. You know, we sing, as Christians, we sing a lot of songs about Christ overcomes the world. And we believe that one. Do you believe that? Yes, we believe that. But that's not what John said. What did he say? The one who believes in Christ overcomes the world. Meaning, you and I, we overcome the world. Are you shocked about that? Because I am. <laughs> okay? It's, it's quite... What? I'm not just sharing the victory. I can prove to the world. No, no. The world cannot touch me anymore. That's the reason in chapter 3, he said very strongly to us, you Christian, Christian, do not sin. You overcome the world. Not by our own strength. Okay, I'm not crazy in my Christology, I know very well. It's only by the blood of Jesus. Only through the name of Jesus. But we overcome the world and sin. So these few verses, five to three, five to four, represent five, one to five. Sorry, represent the core meaning of what is to be born of God. And if you look carefully, the root of this new birth is based on love, obedience, and faith. He's using these words. You just need to look back: love, obedience. And faith. And how do we know that is true? Well, we know it because he's playing with the word here, John, the word faith. Okay, he's playing with this question of faith, this principle of faith. And here we can just simplify oh, yeah, faith, it's when I believe. But John is going deeper than that. And he's going to spend the verse 6 to 12 to go deeper and explain what I call the principle of faith. What is faith for John here? He's linking who is Jesus with faith, our faith. So I'm going to read verse 6 to 12. And I give the title to this section. In fact, faith, it's a question of testimony. Okay, look carefully with me. Verse 6. This is the one who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. He did not come by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit who testifies, because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify... The Spirit, the water, and the blood. And the three are in agreement. We accept human testimony. But God's testimony is greater because it is the testimony of God. Which He has given about His Son. Whoever believes in the Son of God accepts His testimony. Whoever does not believe God made Him out to be a liar. 
Because they have not believed the testimony God has given about His Son. And this is the testimony God has given us eternal life. And this life is in His Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. I count it for you. Eight times in six verses. Eight times you have this word, or similar to this word, testimony, testifying. So I ask myself the question, why John is, you know, after saying to us, you're born of God, born is about being loved, obedient, faith. Why is spending all this time about testimony? What is that, John? And I think we need to remember that in the Jewish culture, to be witness is a very important notion. To be the witness of someone, if I'm a witness to Graham, that doesn't mean I know who he is and therefore I just say, oh, this is Graham. No, being the witness of Graham is saying, this guy is true. In the sense of, you can trust him. That's why I'm witnesses. I say, okay, I'm behind him. You can trust, well, I hope you trust him, but you can trust him. That's the meaning of testifying from someone. Giving the testimony of someone is giving the credit to this person. Okay? That's maybe a word we need to explain because it's not the same in English. When you witness about someone, you are approving or giving credit to this person. Therefore, this text, few verses, six verses, are telling us the Spirit testify about Jesus. That means that God is giving credit to Jesus. His person, but also His ministry, what He's doing. Therefore, when someone refuses to believe Jesus as being the Son of God, despite the fact that God said, He is my Son, you are telling God, you liar. That's what John is saying. Remember the context. Maybe the context is very important here. Remember the context of the letter. The church is persecuted. And also there is a lot of heresies. About what? About the divinity of Christ. That's why John is spending time here to say, no, no. Remember what happened at the baptism of Jesus. Remember when Jesus entered the water, what happened? A voice from heaven said what? This is my son, my beloved one. Trust in him. This is the testimony of God about His Son. That's exactly what I'm talking about. And John is talking about that. And John continues and claims that Christians must believe the testimony about the Son because this testimony comes directly from God. The divinity of Christ was disputed. And John said, no guys, remember, we believe that if God is saying something... That's true. Remember the story in John 9? The blind born, the born blind guy? Remember what he says to the Pharisees? I don't know who he is, but how come that this guy can do something from God if he's a sinner? Meaning this guy is obviously from God. He's doing something from God. He has the same authority of God. The guide saying that is testifying on Jesus. Do you understand the, the process of testifying this idea?
And John goes further because he said this testimony is not just about Jesus. It's also the representation of God's gift for us. Eternal life. Being eternally in the presence of God. Being eternally reconciled with God. Being eternally born of God. Being with God. Sharing everything with God. Having this relationship back with God. And our faith is based on the hope that Jesus paid for our sins and offered us an eternal reconciliation with the Father, what we call eternal life. Thus, when we claim to have this faith, we also testified the work of Jesus Christ. We testified of what, who Jesus is. When I say, I believe in Christ, I believe of everything Christ said and done for me, I am saying, I give credit to this man. Therefore, he is son of God. And John is saying that. But he's saying, okay, that's good that human being can have testifying, you know, can testify about God. But the more important is God. Okay, read the verses. It's exactly what he's saying. Human testimony is good. But the God testifying is better. Why? Well, because it's God. That's exactly what he said. You know? So, we need to trust Him about Jesus. I think He makes the point very clear. But John being John, okay, sometimes he, he can't just be simple. He likes to be a bit more complicated. It just enter a theological amusement for us here. You know, this idea of water, blood, spirit, water, blood, all in agreement. What are you talking about? Okay, remember that both the gospel and his letters are linked together. Okay? So, John demonstrates the, the testimony of who is Jesus through the Spirit, the water, and the blood. And I'm just going to give you the most common understanding of that. Okay? There's a lot of discussions, but uh, we're not here for that. So, I'm giving you the most common view on that. So, the most common view is that the coming of Jesus in water is a shorthand way of speaking of Jesus' baptism. Which makes sense with the idea of testimony. The, the verses are read from Matthew 3. This is my son. That, that makes sense if water referred to baptism. Referring to the start of the public ministry of Jesus. But also the blood refers to the end of Jesus' ministry. Earthly ministry. The cross. Death. So water, the baptism, testify about Jesus, because God said, this is my son. And the blood, the cross, testify also about who is Jesus. Because he came to pay. And he said that three times in each gospel. Three times to his disciples. I'm going to die in Jerusalem. I'm going to die in Jerusalem. I'm going to die in Jerusalem. There's a purpose to die in Jerusalem. So we see that water and blood to be the idea of baptism and also the cross. And if you look carefully for us, what is the meaning for us? When you're Christians, you're also baptized. Paul explained that. You need to be emerged in the water and go back. Well, depending on your vision of baptism. But that's the idea of you are dying with Christ and you're raising with Christ again. And then the blood. Why? I don't know if you do that every, every Sunday morning, but we're taking the cup as a remembrance of what Jesus did. That's the blood. 
So even your life as baptism and the sacraments you are doing every Sunday are testifying of who is Jesus, who Jesus is, the Son of God. You baptize because Jesus is the Son of God. If it's not true, your baptism is just vain. Serve nothing at all. You take the bread and the cup every Sunday or every Sunday or once a month or whatever. You take this remembrance because you want to say to the church and yourself, I want to remember what happened to the cross. And also doing that, I proclaim that Jesus is coming back. Okay, that's also testimony about Jesus. The very interesting to preach in your church is there is no clock, so I don't know whatsoever where I'm at, but um, I wanted to read the text with you to show you the powerful meaning of this testimony. Okay? If you look at Colossians, Colossians chapter 1, verse 15, I'm reading just five verses with you. The Son is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn of all creation. For in Him all things were created. Including us, by the way. Things in heaven and on earth. Visible and invisible. Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through Him and for Him. He is before all things. And in Him all things hold together. And He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead. So that in everything He might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all His fullness dwell in Him. And through Him to reconcile to Himself all things. Whether things on earth or things in heaven. By making peace through His blood shed on the cross. This text is so powerful. And in this text we, saw also, we see also the testimony of who is Jesus. And if you look carefully, there is also the mention, the beginning and the firstborn among the dead. There is also this mention of something changed through water and blood. Because water could also be understood as when Jesus came on earth, the incarnation of Jesus. All of that, if you look at different angles, doesn't matter. The result is what? The Spirit, the water, and the blood, they're all saying the same things. Jesus is the Son of God. That's why John is saying they are in agreement. In a sense, there is no question whatsoever. Remember the context. No question whatsoever. Christ is the Son of God. Christ is indeed as the center of everything, as we read in Colossians. Christ is everything as believers and let me say something maybe disputable Christ is everything also for the people who don't believe because if you believe or not in Christ it doesn't change his rule it doesn't change his title he's still the king of kings believe it or not he's still the savior believe it or not it's not the question, oh, I believe so he exists. No, no, no. His kingdom is from ever. Forever, ever. Before creation, Christ was king. Or should I say to be theologically correct, the second person of the Trinity was king. 
Okay, we don't change Christ because of us, our beliefs. But then John concludes his little theological interlude, and he comes back to us, and he comes back to this question of eternal life, and he expresses the purpose of his letter. Remember, I said that last week. Verse 13, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. Now, when you read this verse, with every explanation from last week and this week, every word are carefully chosen by John. That makes sense now, really powerfully. Everything makes sense powerfully. And do you remember the three kind of mark of being born of God? Love, obedience and faith? Those terms explain what and how we believe in Jesus. As a kind of summary, John refers to this Christian belief, journey or life, with these two little words, eternal life. And I want to stop a minute on that. Because we say that too quickly. Okay? We are still in the world. We have our jobs. We have the family. We have a lot of activities. We have a lot of stuff in our head. And we say, oh yeah, I'm saved and I'm going to spend eternity with God. But eternal life, it's something we need to pause and understand. When we say eternal life to someone who doesn't believe in Christ... What we're saying to him is, if you don't choose for eternity, forever and ever and ever and ever, you will be not with God. And we, as believers, when we think about eternal life, that's the meaning of, we did, through Christ, an eternal choice to be forever and ever and ever and ever with God. Okay? Nothing to do with us. We don't earn anything but this choice is so important. You know, it's not just, oh, you're not going to burn in hell. It's about an eternal choice. If you choose to be Christian, to follow Christ, you will, for, you will be for eternity with Him. If you choose not, you will be for eternity without Him. That will give us a kind of warning, us Christians. How do we share the gospel? How do we have this conscience of, I need to share the gospel? Because the result of that is an eternal choice. So if I don't do my job, well, maybe some people are not going to have this message. I'm not saying that we are responsible for their choice, but I think we need to be careful of our responsibilities. Jesus said, you go and you make disciples. He never said, oh, post something on Facebook and that's done. He said, go and make disciples. There is a notion here that we tend to forget, which is being intentional, like Paul. You choose someone and you train him. You're giving everything you know about Christ and you follow him. That's being, you know, under our responsibility to give an eternal choice to the people. Eternal life, it's about true life. It's not just being with God forever and ever, sitting, you know, clapping your hands and woo. It's about true life. 
it's about the fullness of life. And that's the reason I came back to creation tonight. Because the fullness of life is being at peace with God. It's being loved, perfectly loved. It's being desired. It's being precious in the hand of your Father. The one who created you. That's corporal, that's corporate idea, that's for everybody of us, the church. But that's also personal. Every one of us who are Christian are known by God personally. Do you know this book in Revelation? The book with your names in it. Jesus said something to his disciples. When he sent his disciples, go away, cast demons, I give you power, do it. When they came back, yeah, demons, cast, cast away. What Jesus said, do not rejoice that you're casting demons. Rejoice that your name is in the book. That's the reality. I want my name to be in this book. That's why I want to follow this word. But that's an eternal choice. And this life starts now. And we also forgot often that. I forgot that. Oh yeah, one day I will be with God. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. The kingdom is now and not yet. But it's now and not yet. Meaning, that's now. You have eternal life. What does that mean? You don't fear death. You don't fear illness. You don't fear defeat. Because you're victorious in Christ. John said that a bit earlier. You're strong, not because of you, not because of your strength, because of the blood of Jesus Christ, because of Christ living in you. You know this verse by heart, I hope, in Galatians 2.20? It's not about me. I have been crucified with Christ. The old me is crucified with Christ. Now the life I'm living in the flesh, still in the flesh, it's not about me. It's about Jesus Christ in me. That's changed everything. And this life, you can, you know, have confidence about this life right now. Which is amazing that I conclude like that. Because John, if you look at the verse 14, he's saying that. Ta-da! John 14, well, 1 John 5.14. This is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we ask of Him. Meaning, the purpose is to be in relationship with God. That's the purpose. Now, again, I don't know if I have time or not. But John is finishing his letter with two things. He's he's talking again about sin and he's coming back with a list of what we know. I'm not going to talk about the list because it's a list, so they can read the list again. And he's touching some points of the chapter 1, 2, 3, 4 and 5, so you can read the list again. But I just want to tackle this question of sin. He's touching the point of sin that leads to death and sin that does not lead to death. John, I told you, he loves theological ideas, so he's coming back with ideas here with sin. And I think, I believe that the first sin that leads to death 
which is a singular sin, only one, I think is touching upon the unforgivable sin. The sin, if you do it, that's done. You're over. You cannot come back. And I think we, some Christians are scared about this one. But we should not. Because in fact, what John is saying is that this is the sin who represents someone who deliberately refuses to follow Christ. Knowing who Christ is, I refuse to follow Him. If you are in this position, you are in trouble. Okay, you can go back in Hebrew, Hebrew 6 as well for the same teaching. But it's not common for Christians, okay? Don't be afraid, it's not common. Because if you remember the beginning of the letter, John is saying, if you go and sin, our Father, our Christ is good enough to forgive you again. Okay? And that's why he's talking to the sin which does not lead to, to death. And even if you have a problem, if your life is complicated, if temptation is too strong, if the battle is too strong, remember John 1. God is gracious enough to take you home again, to forgive you. You know why? Because we do not earn salvation. The fact that we are forgiven is not on us, not on our strength. It's everything about the cross. That's why we can come back to Christ. That's why we are sinners, but we can come back to Christ, asking for forgiveness, and He will forgive us. So I think to be born of God, coming back to the beginning of the chapter, it's love God, love one another, but this love is not natural for us. And we need to learn how to use this love. We need to learn to understand what is to be born of God. To use the word of God. To be intentional to love one another. To love God. You know what it is to be intentional to love one another? Use a wee notebook. Put some names. Do what you just did. Pray for one another. And pray for the faith of one another. And loving God, read your Bible. Not just a few verses. Can I challenge you on that? Not just a few verses. Read abundantly the Word of God. You know, we have today on earth people who are dying because they don't have the Word of God. And we have plenty of Bibles. Read them. All of them. You know, several times during the year. Read abundantly the Word of God. Immerse yourself in the Word of God. That's being intentional. And I know it's the challenge. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm just saying it's a simple decision. And I'm going to stop here. In prayer. Okay. Lord, we want to be thankful again for your presence among us. For this privilege to be called children of God. For this privilege to stand, to open your word, to study your word, to meditate upon your word freely. This is a blessing for us, Lord. Help us to realize that. Help us to realize the impact you had in our lives and the impact, the influence we could have in other lives. You said to us that we are the light and the salt. Help us to understand that, Lord. Help us to understand 
the privilege to be born of God. In your precious name, Jesus. Amen.